Thank you for listening to the preaching ministry of Oxford Baptist Church with our pastor, Andy Brown. We pray you'll be blessed as you apply these truths to your life. Well, as we were singing this little light of mine, my wife leans over to me and she says, Are you preaching on light today? Yes, yes, indeed, we are. Take your Bible, please, and turn to Matthew chapter 5. And today we're going to look at this familiar passage, this passage that is truly overwhelming. We could really spend so many weeks just on this one phrase, fleshing it out through all of Scripture, but we have just these few moments together. The passage that you're familiar with is a passage that is overwhelming. It's a passage, listen carefully, that's going to reveal your purpose in life. Now, I remember hearing a phrase when I was in high school. And if you think about high school, for those of you who are in high school, for those of you who know anything about high school, high school is that strange stage of life that some of you wish that you could go back to and others wish... Well, there's no way that you would ever go back to high school. How many of you would wish that you could go back to high school? Can I see your hand? Anybody here? There's a few. All right, good. How many of you say, no way, buddy, no way? All right. More are in the second group than were in the first. But there are days in high school that you can remember, for those of you who are in it right now, listen closely, there's a, there are days in high school where those days can feel like that high school is all there is. Everything's sort of crashing down on you. High school is an pretty important time, but it's really not the most important time. Most of us, if we think about high school, high school is that time when we really begin to start thinking about a future. Because in high school, that's when time starts pressing in on us. You finally get old enough to drive. You've been looking forward to driving all your life. You finally get old enough to drive. You finally maybe get the car or have the keys to somebody else's car. Then all of a sudden you start to drive. And then what? Well, then there's graduation. And then what's after graduation? Well, then there's college. And then there's a career. And somewhere in the midst of all of that, there may be marriage. There may be kids. But before you know it, afterwards, before you know it, you begin watching your own kids get ready to go to high school. Then you watch your high school kids get ready to go to college. And before you know it, you end up being that guy or that lady, like your grandmother or granddaddy, that used to tell the stories about how good the good old days were. And I remember hearing a phrase in high school. Some of the most formative years in life, not the most formative, but some of the most formative because you're thinking about all that's ahead. I remember hearing a phrase in high school. And high school, like I said, is that everything's laid out in front of you. You've got the whole world out in front of you. And I remember hearing something like this, and maybe you've heard this. Maybe you've said it. Aim for the moon, and if you miss the moon, at least you'll land amongst the stars. You ever heard that? Goes great on a t-shirt. Goes great at a high school graduation. Aim for the moon. And if you miss, <laughs> at least you'll land amongst the stars. Shoot for the moon. Land amongst the stars. That really sounds fun. Until that is, you really start thinking about the darkness that surrounds all the stars. Then it's not so fun. 
See, the point that I'm trying to make in all of this is there are a dozen other cliches just like that one that reveal a deep longing in your heart and a deep longing in mine as well as a longing in the whole world. Everyone wants their life to be filled with purpose. Everyone wants their life to be filled with meaning. Everyone here today, we all want to know who we are. Here's the good news. I'm so glad I'm a gospel preacher. By the way, that's what the word gospel means. It means good news. So here's the good news today. Jesus has come. And in His coming, He has come to show us our purpose. Jesus has come to direct our steps. Jesus has come to guide our steps. But Jesus has come to walk beside us, to never leave us, nor would He ever forsake us. Listen to me this morning. You have been put on the earth for a purpose. Now think about that statement just for a minute. You're talking about living counterculturally. This is the countercultural claim of Christianity. You have meaning and purpose. God loves you the way you are. But He refuses to leave you the way that you are. He loves you so much that He has decided to save you, to send His Son to seek and to save you. Your life has meaning. And so you say, you know, how do you know that our life has meaning? Well, it all goes back to one simple truth. Jesus Christ has come. God has come, taking on flesh to teach us, to guide us, to walk beside us. See, here's the beautiful truth of Christianity. Jesus has come to not only show us the way, but He has come to be Himself the way. Don't miss that. He's just not some habitude or mountain that we climb. We reach the top and here He is sitting cross-legged with His hands like this, humming hum. He has not only come to show us the way, He Himself is the way. It's the difference between looking at a picture of a beach and walking on the beach and feeling the sand in between your toes, feeling the breeze brush across your hair, feeling the warmth of the sun on your skin. Jesus has come not to just show us the way. Jesus has come to be the way. Your life this morning, listen to me, your life has purpose. And God has come from eternity. Listen carefully. He has transcended His own transcendence. That is the God who is high and lifted up. He has come to us so that He could bring us to Him. And so He has come to tell us that purpose. And today, in your hearing and in my hearing, as we submit ourselves through the Word of God, today we get to encounter that purpose. God has a word for you this morning. God has a word for us. Let's find out what it is. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 14. Hear the word of the Lord. You, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, 
nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Would you pray with me this morning? Our Lord, thank you for calling us. Thank you for giving us this purpose. Teach us from your word. Obedience. Renew our minds. Captivate us by your beauty. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope that you caught it. I hope that as we read the Bible together, I hope that you caught it. You see, God not only has a purpose for you, the purpose that He has for you is glorious. The purpose that God has for you is glorious. It's not like you're the kid who shows up and, you know, you're, you're standing in line and you're, you're picking to be on teams and, oh, well, we'll take Andy. Golly, we want Andy. Andy, play in the outfield. Which outfield? The furthest outfield. It's not like that. You're the guy who shows up and gets the last job when all the other jobs are picked out. I won't ever forget that. I worked one summer building an Ace Hardware, and, and I really felt like that guy. I, uh, by the time the boss got to me, and he handed out the responsibilities, he gave me a broom. And he told me to be on debris lookout. In other words, whatever nails were dropped, whatever uh, other things that people that made the mess, I was the one to come in and clean up whatever mess that they made. But God has more for us than that. No, you and I today, we have the marching orders from the King of Kings, and His orders to us are pretty crystal clear. Listen to what He says. You are the light of the world. And that's the first thing that I want you to write down this morning. Number one, you are the light of the world. And maybe when you're writing that, if if you feel inclined to, maybe you, since it's your notes on your pen from your hand on your page, maybe instead of writing you, you can write, I am the light of the world. Or, or maybe you could write your name. Andy is the light of the world. Now, I know that when you read that there in your own page and when you see that word, that's sort of hard for us to really understand. Here Jesus is, the King of glory looking at you and saying, you are the light of the world. Now, you see that word you there in the Bible? The word you, it's, it's first, isn't it? That's in the emphatic position. What is that? It's, it's first because it's there for emphasis. In other words, it's like Jesus is pointing His finger and He's saying, you, you. And that's pretty incredible. Remember, who is this that Jesus is talking to on the Sermon on the Mount? Who is He talking to when He first said this? Beyond just talking to you and me today, who is He talking to when He said it first? He's talking to a group of Jews who were under a Roman occupation. But more than that, He was talking to people who were once walking in darkness who had received a great light. Look at what chapter 4 says in verse 16. As Jesus begins His ministry... This is the way that Jesus begins His ministry. Look at what it says here. It says, The people dwelling in darkness, those people have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region of the shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. You see, these people were needing saving themselves. Jesus looks at this crowd who is following Him and He says, 
you who are following me, you who are attending to my teaching, you who have been formed by everything that I have done and will do, you are the light of the world. Now, Paul's going to say something similar to the Ephesian church. This is what he says, and write this down, Ephesians 5, 8 through 10, and look it up later because the context is so good too. Listen to what he says, though. Paul says to the Ephesian church, he says, For at one time you were darkness. At one time. Not anymore. At one time. He's describing your past. At one time you were darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. And as a result of that, he says, Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And then he says, try to discern what it is that's pleasing the Lord. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. He didn't say this to the scribes. He didn't say this to the intellectuals. He didn't say this to the doctors or to the lawyers or the farmers, the congressmen, the senators. Not the philosophers of this age, but he said, you who follow Jesus, you are the light of the world. Now, what does this mean? It may mean that you're a senator. It may mean that you're a teacher. It may mean that you're a doctor. It may mean that you are a lawyer. But if you are, then that is secondary to who you are. You're the light of the world, a follower of Jesus Christ. And if you're going to be a light in the world, then you're going to identify yourself first and foremost, not as what you do for a living, not as any other means, but who you are in Christ Jesus. You see, here is this group that Jesus is talking to, this ragamuffin group, this group that is rough around the edges, this group, a, a group that I would say that I know I haven't got much in common with. Probably you do too. Probably we together have so much in common with this group. And they've received a word from God, which is a word for us. And that is for some strange reason. And I really, I really hope that you count it strange. Because otherwise, if you don't count this strange, I really doubt that you understand grace. For some strange reason, God has looked at me. God has looked at you. And He says, you, I choose you. You are the light of the world. This is the profound mystery of the gospel of grace. That God would save a wretch like me. Isn't that a sweet sound? The sweet sound of amazing grace. An amazing grace that has come to you, that has come to me, and because it has reached us, it transforms everything about us. We were those ones who were pursuing other things that led to death. We were those ones who were fumbling around in the dark, but grace found us. Love found us. Where were you when love found you? What were you doing? What were you pursuing? I know where you were. And I know what you were pursuing. All of us were on the highway that didn't lead to holiness. It was a highway that led straight to hell. It was a highway that led to a total separation from God. But on that highway, God came to us seeking and saving the lost one. 
I hope that you understand what Jesus is saying. You see, Peter sure did as he taught the message of Christ to the believers. Listen to what Peter said in First Peter. Peter was one who knew the teaching of Jesus. He was one who was formed by the teaching of Jesus. And listen to what he says in First Peter. Listen to what he says. Listen closely. This is so good. But you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. A holy nation. A people for His own possession. That you may proclaim the excellencies of Him, this One who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. I don't know how you think of yourself this morning. I don't know what kind of self-image you have. I don't know what kind of slanted view you may have of yourself or some great view that you have of yourself. But how often do you think of yourself when you see yourself in that mirror as you're trimming every hair and putting every hair in place and uh, fixing everything that you like it to be, putting makeup here and there? How often do you consider yourself within the realms of the words of Jesus and consider yourself the way that He considers you? You! are the light of the world. You are a chosen race. For some reason, God has chosen you. You say, how did He choose you? I have no idea, but I'm just thankful that He did. You are a chosen people. How are we a chosen race? Listen closely. The chosen one. By the way, that's what Christ means. It's not His last name. Jesus the Christ. Or Christ Jesus. Christ is His title. You know what Christ means? It's the Greek form of the Hebrew Messiah. It means the chosen one. It means the anointed one. So think about this. The chosen one. How are we chosen? The chosen one has chosen you and me. We are the chosen... Listen, we are the chosen ones... We are not the chosen one. We are the chosen ones. Apostrophe S. In other words, we belong to Jesus. Let me see if I can make that a little more clear. Who is the light of the world? Who is it of all the lives that have ever lived, who is it that has touched more lives than all other lives combined? Who would you say that is? Jesus. The light of the world calls us the light of the world. Now that sounds confusing. That sounds totally confusing. We are the light of the world. He's the light of the world. How can we be the light of the world and He be the light of the world? Listen, listen carefully. This is how it works. He is the light of the world. We just reflect His glory to the world. He is the light of the world. We just simply reflect His glory glory to the world. And Christ has chosen to get His light into the world through you and me. He's chosen to get the light of the world into the world by us together. And this is the really good part of the story. I hope that you're listening. I hope that you're listening closely. Here's the good part. Christ has united Himself to our flesh so that He could unite us with Himself. Christ has united Himself with us without ceasing to be what He was, God. He became what He was not, man. So He is both God, both man. He has united Himself in one 
person, our one Lord Jesus Christ, not two people in one, but one, one person. There's a union between God and man that is our one Lord Jesus Christ. He has united himself to our flesh so that he could unite us with himself. And so in other words, he comes to make us, this is the language of Peter, partakers of the divine nature. In other words, we are one with Himself. He became what we are so that He could make us what He is. He became what we are so that He could make us what He is. He became sin. The light of the world became darkness so that He could make we who were darkened the light of the world. And so when Jesus unites us to Himself, what's true of Him becomes true of us. Think about it. Jesus is on the earth. And He says something that no one else has ever been able to say, nor will anyone else outside of Jesus ever be able to say, I always do what pleases the Father. Now that we are in Him, what's true of Him is true of us. Now that doesn't mean that you know there's some sinless perfectionism that we have, but here's what it means. It means that God, when He sees us, He sees Jesus. God, when He sees us, He sees the righteousness of Christ in us. Now our whole lives are trying to get His vision of what He sees. That's why we have to confess our sin. That's why we have to repent of our sins. That's why we have to live right. That's why we have to stay clean and close to Jesus because our whole lives is becoming what we already are. God already sees you as you were always intended to be. His own righteousness. And so when Jesus unites us to Himself, what's true of Him becomes true of us. Listen, it's not that we become gods, but that we become God's apostrophe S. In other words, He possesses us. We are His possession. We are a chosen people. A people, as Peter just said, of His own possession. We become partakers of the divine nature. We belong to Him. He chooses us and He makes us a people for His own. And He unites us with Himself. And so how does He unite us with Himself? How does He do that? He does it through His own death and resurrection. Think about this. This is the beauty of the Gospel. By taking on flesh, that is the incarnation, by taking on flesh, the immortal, listen, listen, by taking on flesh, The immortal God died our death also that He could overcome death and give us His very life. Let me say that again. By taking on flesh, the immortal God died our death so that He could overcome death and give us His very life. This is why Paul says what he says in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. Listen to what he says. He says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So now what? 
oh well, just count it all aside. Everything I do is just because of Jesus. No more sinning. No, is that what Paul's saying? No, listen to what he says next. So I have been crucified with Christ. He's speaking of the reality that Christ has brought us. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And then listen to what Paul says next. And, then he, and then both of these things are true. And the life that I now live in the flesh. How does he live it? He lives by faith in the Son of God who loved him and gave himself up for him. So how do you live your life now? You who have partaken of Christ, you who have placed your faith in Christ, you have been crucified with Christ. This is who you are. And it's no longer you who live, but He who lives through you. And so then what does that mean? It means that the life that you now live is this life of walking with Jesus in faith. Everything that you do is turning away from disobedience is turning away from unbelief is turning away from sin and turning to what is yours and your whole life is grabbing hold of what god has already taken from the heights of heaven and brought it down to you so that you could grab it this is the gospel this is what it means christ has come into darkness to shine the light of his presence and i wonder this morning has that light reached you you seen him are you so drawn to him that you can't get away from him like one old preacher used to say you can't get him out of your mind you can't get him off of your hand you can't outlive him and you can't live without him is that you does that describe you this morning do you delight in the warmth of his life this is a life of faith Delighting in God. Letting Him be your delight. Jesus says this. He says to those who hear His voice, you are the light of the world. And number two this morning, if you're the light of the world, then God intends for you to shine. God intends for you to shine. Look at this. This is so good. This is we know in the world that there's great darkness. I don't have to convince you of the darkness that is in the world, but listen carefully. Even though there is great darkness in the world, there is an even greater light. I am so tired of not believing that. Aren't you? I am so tired of not believing that the darkness is great, but the light is greater. I am so tired of, of, of not believing that the light is greater than the darkness because the message that we keep hearing, the message that floods our minds more than even probably what we spend our time with God is this message of the darkness that is ever pressing in on us. I am so sick of the phrase that I often hear from so many believers, well, that's just the sign of the time. Why don't we have more people in church? That's a sign of the times. Why do we have more murders than all the... That's just a sign of the times. You know where that phrase probably comes from? I think I'm discovering this as I'm, as I'm living and I'm seeing this out. This phrase probably comes from Christians who have done exactly what our Lord says is ridiculous. They have taken the light and hid it away. They've taken the light been quiet about it. Put it under a basket. Now there are so many ways that you can put your light under a basket. So many ways that you and I can put our lights under a basket. But the main way is by us 
choosing to not walk in the light. The main way, and that can come by so many ways, that can come by, by sin. And you can list the names of sins. You can name, you can have this little pet sin that you won't get rid of, that you are just, uh, this is your sin. And you know, you know that even when you try to confess it, that you're really not confessing it because you delight in that sin more than you delight in God, whatever the case may be. Maybe it's that temper that you just can't quite get a, a handle on. Maybe, maybe you run off too much at the lip. Whatever the case may be, there's something where it's, you've taken the light and you're hampering the light. You're, you're causing a shade to be put on the light. And then, so Jesus says, that's ridiculous. There are many ways that we can put the light under the basket, but the main way is by us choosing not to walk in the light. So what does that mean? If we don't choose to walk in the light, what do we do? We follow Shadow. Think about it. When you walk away from light, things get darker. And the darker it becomes, the more dangerous it becomes. And the more likely you are to stumble. The more likely you are to stumble. So I think that we have to be real careful the way that we think about the work that God has called us to do. We have to be real careful about determining who we are. God has called us for something and and I have noticed, listen carefully to me this morning, I have noticed a spirit that's caught so many of you. A spirit of discouragement. A spirit of inferiority. When we think about Christ and His purpose. You say, how do you know that that spirit has caught us? How do you know? Because the way that this Spirit displays itself of inferiority, of discouragement, of all the rest, it displays itself in your life through apathy. Now that's a fun word, apathy. It's, it's from two words put together. Pathos and the alpha negation. Now what is that? It's pathos means passion. Passion! So if you put an A in front of it, which is the alpha negation, then the word becomes Apathetic. A pathos. A pathetic. You know what an apathetic person is? How do you describe an apathetic person? It's a person who has no passion. It's a person who's lost their zeal for the things of God. It's a person who has lost sight of their purpose. And so instead of inferiority, instead of discouragement, instead of apathy, God intends for us, He intends for you to be a light in the world. Now think about a light. Jesus, He teaches so simple. Think about a light. There's only one reason why you light a light, especially back in those days when you had to have this little clay lamp and you would take it and you'd have to go get oil and then you'd have this wick on it. You'd have to trim the wick. It's a lot. It's, it's, you know, it's simple for us. We just flip a switch and forget about it. But back in these days, if you were to light a lamp, you are lighting a lamp for one reason, and it's not so it'll sit over here and look pretty. You light a lamp so that it will shine. That's it. A lamp has one purpose. Otherwise, you're just wasting electricity, right? It's meant to shine. And so instead of hearing of churches closing left and right and getting discouraged or having a, a crowd that's after Easter and looking around saying, where's everybody at? We're so discouraged. Instead of all of those things, instead of hearing of our brothers and sisters who suffer for their faith, so then that means that we become timid. We should believe what the Scripture says. 
And the Scripture says, in Him was life. And that life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. That's what we should believe. Many of us, I imagine, have heard the tragic news of the Christians who went to church on Palm Sunday in Egypt. They went to church under the threat of ISIS, the Islamic terrorist group, that if they were to come to church, then they would be killed. But they came to church anyway on Palm Sunday. And a bomb went off while they were worshiping, killing 49 as they were gathered to worship. I'm going to guess, because of our age of internet and information, most of us saw the picture of the mangled pews and the blood-stained floors. But I want to show you a picture this morning of what that church looked like last week at Easter. Let's show this picture real quick. I hope that you can see that. The bloodied and mangled pews are replaced with hundreds of believers gathering in the same spot where ISIS spilt blood. Hundreds of believers lifting their voices, lifting their lives to Jesus in praise. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not nor never will overcome it. This is our hope. You are the light of the world. God intends for you to shine. Look at verse 15. I love this. Look at verse 15. He said, the city can't be hidden. You're the light of the world. A city can't be hidden. He says, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. But where is it that they put it? They put it on a stand. It gives light to all who are in the house. He has taken our lamps. The light that He has given us, He has taken our lamps. And the light that He has given us, the stand that He puts us on, He puts us on the cross of Jesus Christ so that from that stand we can shine into the whole world. You see, God has a plan for the world. He has a plan to reach every tribe, every tongue, every people. His plan is a plan of salvation. And in that plan, for some reason, He looks at us and He looks at you. He looks at me and He says, you are the light of the world. Shine the light. Shine the light. Shine the light in your high school. Shine the light in your middle school. Shine the light in the band, in the, on the football team, in your office, in the line, at the grocery store to the bank teller, to your neighbors. Shine the light with your family, with your kids. Shine light. You see, number three this morning, when we shine this light, when God takes this cross, and from that cross, He fills from that place of darkness, He fills the whole world full of His glorious light. And then He takes our lights and He hangs them on the cross so that we then shine nothing but the cross. When we shine, we direct other people to God. It's inevitable. When we shine, we direct other people to God. Look at verse 16. In the same way, in the same way, I want you to notice that phrase, in the same way, someone has gone through all of this trouble to light a lamp. 
Someone has gone through all of this trouble to bring light into the world. Who is it? Who was it that lit the lamp in your heart? Who was it that gave you something to believe in? Something to live for? And a cause to serve? Who was it that gave you life and purpose? God has sent the light of the world that came down into darkness. God has lit the lamp in your heart. And listen to me carefully. If you have a heart that is burning for Jesus, if you have a heart that is burning for Jesus, you will be living a life that brings glory to the Father. You say, how on earth do I do that? It's simple. You just let your light shine. You walk in the light. You choose to let faith triumph over unbelief. You rest in His arms. You simply let the light shine. You let others see Jesus in you. Let others see Jesus in you. You keep telling the story. You be faithful and true. You say, what story do we have to tell? Look at Matthew. Here's your story. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. They'll be called sons of God. Blessed are those of you who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is our story. This is our song. Praising our Savior all the day long. You see, this light that we have to shine is this life that we get to approach every day. A light that we get to go to every day we get to have the privilege of feeling the warmth of His presence every day. We get the privilege, a God-ordained privilege through the Son in the power of the Spirit to walk with God. We get to kindle afresh this light every day. And the closer we are to the flame, the brighter we'll shine. Listen to me carefully this morning. Your purpose in life. Listen, listen, listen. Your purpose in life is to find yourself being lost in Him. Find yourself being lost in Him. Your purpose in life is to be consumed with Jesus. It is no longer you who live, but Christ who lives 
in you and the life that you now live is a life of faith in this One who loved you and gave Himself for you. You are the light of the world. And I just wonder this morning, if you've ever given your life to Him, I wonder this morning if you have found your purpose. I wonder this morning if you're delighting in the purpose that He has for you, if you have found what life is all about, if you are living the purpose that God has for you. Let your light shine. Your light is Him. You are the light of the world. Would you pray with me? Father, we love You. We thank You, Lord, for loving us. Thank You for the simpleness of this message. You who are the light of the world have called us to be the light of the world. Father, I pray this morning for those who are in despair or in sin, who are wrestling and desperately trying to find meaning. They're looking here. They're looking there. But every time they seem to look in one place, they keep coming back empty, 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 empty. Maybe they're here today and they've been trying to fill their life up with religion. Maybe they've been trying to fill their life up with a loveless religion because really they don't love you. They love themselves. Father, I pray that every heart here, right now, the Holy Spirit of God would move in such a way that we, Lord God, would experience the warmth that comes from having faith in you. Maybe some here for the first time, they need to say right now to you, I believe in you. There may be some here today, Lord God, for the another time they need to say, Lord, I want to feel the warmth of Your embrace more and more and more. Whatever decision You're calling us to today, Lord, may we not leave here the same way that we came in. May we leave changed and more in love with Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. We pray God will use this message for His glory in your life. If you would like more information, please feel free to contact us at info at OxfordBaptistChurch.com. Oxford Baptist Church is located in Oxford, Georgia. If you're close, we'd love to meet you.